A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, everyone. Welcome to The Deep Dive. I'm Chris Pajak. That is Josh Williams, and we are here to talk about Nabi Cater today. Um Josh, this was, this was your topic for, for discussion this week, mate. Um, obviously, we signed him back end of the 2017-18 season. Well, he joined the club back end of the 17-18 season. We actually signed him like a year before. Yeah. And we got to do something that we've never really done before as Liverpool fans. And we got to watch a player for a full year knowing that we were signing him at the end of it. And what a year it was. I mean, Nabi Keita was just fucking tremendous that season, wasn't he? But we're going to take a little look back over his five years at Liverpool or four years at Liverpool, I should say. Um, and we're going to talk about it, because obviously the rumours are now that he's probably going to be leaving at the end of the season. In fact, um, today, uh, Tottenham Hotspur are interested in Naby Keita as well, which is something... I that, didn't see that. Yeah, yeah, that was that broke this afternoon. Whether it's true or not, who knows. Um, so what are your general thoughts on Naby Keita? Yeah, well, this is this is the topic, isn't it? Like, It's kind of like a, the theme at the minute that players are getting linked with, with departures and stuff, and obviously his, his contract running out doesn't look like he's going to sign. So it feels like a good time to just kind of assess what he's been, because I think he's, a, he's been a really interesting player to have at Anfield, I think. Split the fan base down the middle and stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, Wildly. Yeah. Like, yeah. there's no one who thinks Naby's okay. Yeah. Is there, it's either he's the best thing and he's got Twitter accounts named after him yeah. and you're a racist if you don't like him or the exact opposite. Yeah. So what what did you expect when we, when we first signed? That's where that's where I want to start with this because I, I remember like the, the clamour around the sign and obviously we, we got him a year in advance of his arrival and stuff. So when he initially signed, what were you expecting from him? I was expecting a player who, having done some research at the time into... And, and we were doing a stat show on Redmen uh, a few years ago, and I've been looking into this new thing that was called packing, which they were doing in the German league, weren't they? Yeah. Um, so at the time, I remember looking into that and realising that he ranked really highly. I think Joel Matic ranked really highly. Nowadays, maybe even Canati ranks quite highly and stuff. And So I was, lo- I was expecting a fella who would take players out of the game, either through progressive carries or through progressive passes. Mm. And quite often when I watched him when he was playing in Germany that season, it was him sort of slaloming between players with his dribbling skills that caught the eye to me. You know, yeah. advancing from the middle of the park into the final third and then maybe picking out a pass or something like that. Yeah. I was expecting that type of footballer and I don't think that's the type of midfielder Liverpool had at the time either. You know, we had Jordan Henderson, we had Jeannie Wijnaldum at the time. And for me, he was a complete difference maker and that almost creative midfielder that we've been crying out for forever. Yeah, well, that's. I think that's kind of why he got Gerard's shirt. You know, he got the he got the number eight shirt. As I said, we signed him a year in advance. He was like sixty million or something, wasn't he? Um, so I I think Liverpool's midfield department at the time was quite. It was almost like a, a little bit beige, really, wasn't it? Like a lot of players who were just very same 
no real match winners in there or anything like that. Um, lots of players who were just workhorses, really. That was what we, how we do defined at the time, wasn't it? Workhorses and stuff. So I think Cater was kind of like the target to transform the midfield department, transform the engine room, and offer like a almost like a bit of stardust, mm-hmm. but like De Bruyne, you yeah. know, over at City. Um, and I think when I was watching him, I was picking up on those same things in terms of like, I thought he was really unique on the ball, his, his dribbling and things like that, and his technical ability coupled him with like a, a real ability to regain the ball as well. And he, he reminded me a little bit, and this is a massive compliment to him, of Modric a tiny okay. bit in terms of being slight, really technical, um, tricky in tight spaces and things like that. Um, and he showed up in the data as well. Obviously, it was my job at the time to look into the numbers and stuff. Liverpool were led to believe at the time were super data-driven, a little bit less nowadays, I think, but at the time, he was very much a data signing. Um, and that kind of brings us on to a look at his final season in Leipzig, basically, mm-hmm. to catch uh, maybe why Liverpool picked up on him initially as a target. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, obviously, we're going to have a, a graphic up shortly, but just th- some of the things that I noticed when I was looking at FB Ref on this, um, his progressive carries were 4.72 per 90. His progressive passes were 6.79 per 90. He was getting 0.28 goals per 90. Uh, and as I mentioned before, those packing stats were off the charts. Like, you never, they're not publicly available stats. Yeah. But I've, I went and found an article actually that I read. Um, back at back at the time. So packing for anyone who doesn't know is a metric which determines the value of a pass or a dribble by evaluating how many defenders it takes out of the game. Basically, how many p- defenders are in between the ball and the goal when a player receives the ball, and how many uh, are, are still there when the pa- when the action is finished. So let's say I'm in the middle of the park. I've got four midfielders ahead of me and four defenders and a goalkeeper. There's nine players. If I run through the line of the the midfielders, I might only take on one person, but then all of a sudden there's only four defenders and one goalkeeper. Mm. You would get really good packing stats because when you you end your action, you've taken four players out the game because they're now behind you. That's something that we we saw with Naby Keita when we were watching and when we were looking at this type of stuff and realising that this is a lad who can take players out of the game, who can drive players forward. Joe Matip's amazing at this. You think about where he starts his runs from and he'll have all 11 players in front of him. He'll slalom through one or two men and then all of a sudden he's at the defence and he's taken out like the best part of eight players from the game sometimes. And, and this yeah. is the type of thing that I, that I, that I noticed in some of the stuff that we saw, you know, progressive carries, progressive passes, such a high metric per 90. But you wanted to specifically look at the regaining possession first, didn't you? Yeah, well, this is the defensive game first. Um, and as I said, one of the reasons he was so unique originally, and he's he's regarded as, as this data, data monster really, was because of his ability to combine being an outlier in defence and an outlier on the ball as well. Like a lot of midfielders that you can think of, they're either attacking or the defensive. Really. We looked at Harvey Elliott the other week, didn't we? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And there's a lot of players who kind of ticked those boxes. Naby kind of showed up because he did both to a really high level. And I should say as well, before we get into this, this is the season after Liverpool agreed to buy him. So this isn't even the season that Liverpool kind of picked up on him and then wanted to buy him. That was the season before. We don't actually have data for that. So this is the season that was supposedly like not even that great. Like I think he had a few issues this season, didn't he? We had that problem with the, his training, uh, one of his mates yeah. in training and yeah. stuff, didn't he? And there was all kinds of stuff going on and rumours flying around him there and stuff. Yeah, but th- this was reportedly like not as good as the season before, but even despite that, it looks really good to us. So, 
it'll come up now anyway for, for, for people who are watching. This is regaining the ball, basically using two metrics on a scatter plot. Um, Bundesliga 2017-18, and this is midfielders only. And on the bottom axis, we've got recoveries per 90. And as I think I said a few weeks ago, a recovery, for those who don't know, is just basically if the ball's kind of falling out the sky and it drops into a random area of the field and nobody has control over it, if you go and get that ball, that's a recovery. Um, and we've coupled that in on the side axis with tackles and interceptions on a pay 90 basis. Mm -hmm. And as you can see, Naby is certainly an outlier with recoveries and once coupled in with tackles and interceptions as well, he's right up there among the best in the league, really. Um, Asura Vidal is not too distant from, I think he was at Bayern Munich at the time. I'm surprised to see Max Meyer there, are you? Yeah, that. funny enough, I showed this graphic to Paul before and he's, he's, he just picked up on Max Meyer and went, Max Meyer, there's a blast <laughs> from the past. Like, yeah, yeah. Um, I wasn't surprised to see Thiago Alcantara in this graphic, sort of showing his name there a little bit in the sort of centre. Obviously, around yeah. about five recoveries per 19, five tackles and interceptions per 90. Naby himself probably up closer to nine recoveries per 90. And four, four and a half tackles and interceptions per ninety. Yeah, but I think that that's kind of evidence, and that this isn't even the season that we bought him on the back of. But that's evidence that defensively he's doing a lot, basically to regain the ball for you. Um, and that's a good thing. But if you're playing for Liverpool, you also need to be good in possession. You need to be good at breaking down teams uh, and finding solutions in the final third, basically. And that brings us on to the next graphic, which is just a generic. Um, Scatterplot again using two metrics that capture two of his biggest defensive qualities, mm -hmm. which I think at the time were progressive passes on a pay 90 basis on the bottom axis and successful dribbles on the side axis as well. And again, Keita is just kind of in a position really where he's, he's kind of on his own um, in terms of being a player of that type. Um, Thiago again is a, a high performing midfielder in this sense. Ian Robin shouldn't be there because he's a forward. Um, but you can see anyway that Naby's a bit of an outlier there. Yeah, that's it. Like I mean, when you look at when you look at this graph for anyone who's listening, um, he's he's on his own. There's there's no one else near him. You're either a progressive passer or you're a progressive dribbler. Exactly. Essentially, yeah. and Naby splits the difference almost perfectly, yeah. where he can do the two roles. So you got Thiago Alcantara on here, who's the highest progressive passer by a country mile. You got Kingsley Coman, who's the highest successful dribbler, and somewhere in the middle of that. Not quite as good as Coleman on the dribbles, nowhere near as good as Alcantara with the passes, but on his own in the middle is exactly. Navigator. Exactly. Often a solid blend of, the bo of both, really. And that was kind of what we got as a pitcher in the numbers, at least, in terms of what player he was. He was just a player who could essentially do it all, really. I always remember a, an interview Storage gave a couple of days after training with Naby for the first time, and he said something like, I haven't seen a midfield like him for a long time, and... You know, we can do everything really unique. And I can see, looking at the numbers, why Edwards, at the time, was so keen to get this deal done, even mm -hmm. like a year in advance, which is just really weird to do. Because he did look pretty special, really. Unique, wasn't yeah. he? Yeah, I think that, I, I agree with that. And I, I think we all thought, I, I, I'm trying to put myself back there, I certainly thought he was going to completely change the way Liverpool's midfield played. Yeah, I did. Um, and it, it unfortunately... Hasn't quite been the case, has it? No, but this is what I want. This is the next point that we want to move on to. After four and a half years now, what do you think of him now? <laughs> How does what's your general perception of him now? He's not fit. 
he's not fit. Yeah, he's just never fit. That's me. <laughs> like if he just had to ask me on a Tuesday, is Naby fit? The answer's no. Yeah, but even when he is fit, though, when he's on the pitch, <laughs> I really like him when he's on the pitch. But, but he's I'm, not. He's not. I've never that, felt. Though, he? No, he's not, and I've never felt. I think he was supposed to be the evolution of the Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain midfielder, mm. right? And I don't think when we signed him, we needed that midfielder anymore. And that's not that's not a slight on Naby Keita. We moved away. Can you remember 17-18 when we're looking at these stats for now? We were very much a counter-attacking side. And Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, I always remember him versus City, would pick the ball up in our half when we've been defending and burst 30 yards forwards and run with the ball yeah. and try and do something. I felt Naby was a bridge between going from a counter-attacking side to a possession-based side. And I think we did it without him in the end. Yeah. And I think after 17-18, we very much went to this possession-based side where we were going to dominate the ball because teams were playing us in a certain way. And I think we found that the midfielders that we already had at the club were actually able to do that probably better than Naby because their availability was... All, well, they were always there. You yeah. Know, yeah. Alden was always there. Henderson was always there. They had a good team chemistry. And I always felt like when Naby came in, he maybe looked good, but the team didn't look as good. Yeah, I, I think we had the specific blueprint when we signed Naby and it was for him to be that kind of advanced number eight who would sit just a little bit deeper than the front three but a little bit more higher up the pitch than whoever was playing as a six and whoever was playing as the other number eight. And I always remember his debut, I think his debut was really exciting. It was against West Ham at Anfield. We beat them like 4-0 and I think he got like a pre-assist for one of the goals. Um, he looked really, really different in the game. You, you couldn't wait to see more of him, basically. But I think if it went the next game, it was the game after he was injured. Hmm. And that's been a recurring theme throughout his Liverpool career. I had a little look at um transfer market. Yeah. And apparently, since he signed, he's missed 85 games. Well, I injury. added them up and I got to 95 games. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> one, of some of, one of us has got a mistake yeah, in their maths there. I had 18 <laughs> different injuries since we signed him, yeah. totaling 95 games. Now, I, I used the calculator, so I might have got that one slightly you might wrong. Be right, mate. Yeah, I, I did um, it quickly. I done it quickly. So, But um, that's ridiculous regardless, isn't it? Yeah. And, and what was interesting, did you look at his minutes played for like per season before he came to Liverpool and then his minutes played per season? I I didn't specifically finish, but I have seen that. Yeah, I've done it. In I the mean, past it was like that, yeah. two thousand four hundred, two thousand four hundred, two thousand four hundred, give or take three, four years prior um, to to joining Liverpool. And I, I don't think he hit two thousand minutes once while he no. signed for Liverpool. You've got the numbers now. Let's have a look at them. Yeah, well, he hasn't even hit one thousand five hundred in the Premier League for Liverpool. This is league only, and he hit two thousand three hundred for Salzburg as a nineteen-year-old. 2,200 as a 20 year old, 2,400 in his first season for Leipzig, just under 2,000 in his last season for Leipzig, and then since he's played for Liverpool, the most we've seen him in any season in the Premier League was his first one. Yeah, so he's had two 1,000 plus minute seasons, yeah. two seasons below 1,000 minutes, and this season. Yeah, um, it just kind of sums up his main issue, I think, and I think it goes back to what you've just mentioned. In terms of like, he was competing for spaces in the midfield alongside two ever-presents who were just like, maybe not necessarily as gifted, but just so resolute, always there, massive characters in the dressing room, big leaders and stuff in, in Henderson and Wijnaldum in particular. And 
I think once Keita kind of got reduced to like a fourth choice midfield option when we play with a three, I think um, I I always think that the evolution of Trent and Robbo yeah. majorly hindered Keita basically because rather than having that advanced eight to start causing problems in the final third, Klopp kind of realised we've got a midfield three to just offer control and we can get that final third stuff. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. From the two fullbacks then. Yeah, and I think this is the thing that's always sort of baffled me around the the calls for a creative midfielder. I see them this season because the fullbacks aren't getting as high up the pitch and they're not being as creative. We're not seeing as yeah. many assists, assists from the likes of Tent and, and Robertson in open play. Um, but you're absolutely right. We moved our creator from what we maybe thought was going to be a navigator in an advanced eight position to our fullbacks. And then, well, then you need to keep it solid. Then your midfielders need to tuck in behind your fullbacks. And now, although we, sh- we, sh- we saw earlier in 2017-18, he's good at recovering the ball, it's a completely different position he's playing. And he's got to be more industrious and he's got to take less risks and he's got to do his job yeah. in a defensive sense, first and foremost, to allow the others to create. Well, I think what you've just said there in terms of taking less risks, I think that's that's the big one for me. Because when he was at Leipzig, he was this talisman and he was kind of like very expressive player. And if he wants us to just go on a, a run, you know, 40 hands up the pitch, carrying the ball at his feet, dribbling past players and stuff like that, there was no real, um, there was no reins on him, like pulling them back or anything like that. He was just free to do it. And if the ball got lost, it was the Bundesliga that's just kind of constant transition game for 90 minutes anyway. Whereas in the Premier League, <laughs> whereas in the Premier League, if he loses the ball in a similar situation, you get really punished, especially if you're playing with two offensive fullbacks as well. So it felt a little bit overload using Trent Robertson and a normal version of Keita. And that was when we started to see, I think, a bit more of a, almost like a restrained um, 
governed version of him where he's a bit he's playing within himself yeah. almost. And did he, and do you think then he had the freedom to do that in the Bundesliga because maybe other people would pick up the slack for him? But in this, every single player, you know, Bill Belichick in the NFL for the New England Patriots, his mantra is do your job, mm. do your job. And that's what Liverpool's you could almost apply that to Liverpool at a time. Trent's job was to create. Robertson's job was to create. The three midfielders was to make sure that we don't get hurt in behind. Yeah. And they've kind of... So you you think that maybe one of the reasons Naby hasn't quite hit the ceiling is because the team didn't play to his strengths. Yeah, I do think he, he's he got the qualities attached to his game to offer the control that Klopp wanted in his midfield, though. But I do think that it did limit his... Is kind of sealing at Liverpool as that really, as that Kevin De Bruyne almost. Um, I don't think it allowed him to do that. It kind of, he was deployed like he was Henderson hmm. or, you know, Milner or Wildham or whatever. And he's, he, he's more, we, we bought him as more that. than that. Yeah, we yeah. bought him as more than that. I think if we bought a player like that, we wouldn't have paid that much for him. Um, <clears throat> and I think one of the interesting things about Cater during this time at the club is, I think initially when he first arrived, he obviously doesn't didn't speak the language, and I think tactically as well. There's been a few games where I think specifically Real Madrid was he, hooked where he was time. hooked. Yeah, really was, early. I think there's maybe two or three occasions yeah, where he's been, been hooked at half time. There has been, but I think obviously it's difficult for us to know what it's like behind behind the scenes and stuff like that. But I just can't envisage him ever doing that with a Henderson, um, and I don't know if that's because of the whole character thing. I don't know if that's a tactical thing or whatever. But I think overall, every, every all things considered, he's just been a really interesting, different player to have at the club, hasn't he, for, for a few years now? It, it, it's been... And it's going to end a bit sad, really. It, it is, because I think there was so much more... I think there's so much more Naby Keita. If Naby Keita goes and plays for a team that plays to his strength, I think we'll, Liverpool fans might look at it from the outside and regret selling him. But if you can't get him working mm. in your system, then what's the point? Yeah. You know what I mean? And also the injuries, like, I mean, it's too often. He's yeah. just not available. And then you don't know if you're gonna he's gonna break down in game anyway, if he is available and stuff like that. So how it's much, just so difficult. How much of that would you put on the club? As in the injuries? Because well, it, it'll be in, really interesting to see how he gets on at his next club bonus. Yeah, I think that that Liverpool we we... was supposed to have one of the best teams in the world at the time. You know, I think over the last 18 months, you might ask questions of Liverpool's medical and sports science departments. But I think going back a few years, they probably had close to, if not the best in the world, in terms of you just had to look at the mainstays of the sides. You know, your Virgil van Dijk's, your Trent Alexander Arnold, your Andy Robertson's, your, your Fabinho's, your Henderson's, your Salah Firmino's. They never got injured, any yeah, of them. Yeah, yeah. But you remember when. So I, I, I liken this more to Daniel Sturridge. And do you remember when Klopp used to speak about him in his press conferences and say, like, well, we've just got to do different stuff for Daniel yeah. than the rest of the team? Yeah. And I don't know whether that was ever the case with Naby, but it felt like it should have been if it wasn't. Mm. Because, and this is why he's not played many 90s, right? I, I, did the, I did the stats on this, get on this. He's played 190 this season, Wolves in the Cup. Yeah. He played nine in 21-22. He played two in 20-21. He played four in 1920 and he played eight full 90s in 2018-19. So in four and a half years, he's totaled 24 full 90s. It's not good, that is it? No, that's shocking. Now, I will give him 25 because he got taken off in the 89th minute in one of those. <laughs> okay. I think it was last season. Yeah. But like, and then 
this was pre five subs for the most part. Mm. You're then almost guaranteeing every game on sixty that Naby has to come off. Is that a position your manager wants to be in? Yeah, I know. And p- part of that comes down also Klopp's usage of Keita because even even when Keita's been fit, he's still remained on the bench for large periods, and I think that seems to stem. That seems to be why he's interested in leaving. And, and that that was what the the news was at the time, wasn't it? That he's not playing enough, and we were all like, "Well, you never fit." But he seems to think he's probably more fit than we've seen. Um, what was interesting, right? When I looked at the nineties, every time he played for like his nation, he was playing a ninety-minute game. Yeah, yeah. And I, I, and it was like when you go on to FB Ref and you look at it, I, I think actually I did this on transfer market. Um, it's it's 60 minutes, 63 minutes, 50 minutes, 62 minutes, 62 minutes, and then all the African games, 90, 90, 90, 90, 90. And it's like, well, hang on. Who's right and who's wrong here? Liverpool are probably protecting their asset a lot more than maybe his national side. Yeah. But that's a concern, isn't it? And I, I, I don't know if you're a manager, whether you can trust somebody who you don't think can play 90 minutes in every single game. Well, is that a Klopp thing, though? Has that been a Klopp thing? That's 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 my question with it. Like, is and I don't doubt Klopp's man management whatsoever. Like, he's got he's the absolute most out of so many players that he's been given at Liverpool, except Keita. And I just can't, I kind of wonder, like, is his non-usage of him at times because he doesn't trust him because of certain tactical games where he's been subbed early, or the language issues, the tactical issues, the fact he's a bit more expressive than the typical centre mid at Liverpool, whatever it might be, but. What's what's what do you think the general feeling is now then, like in terms of his departure? I how, how will he be, be remembered? Oh shit! <laughs> I don't know. What could have been? Yeah, probably that. I think yeah. that's probably the the best way of putting it, isn't it? I think there'll be a load of the a load of Liverpool fans thinking we've got rid of one of the best midfielders in the world. I think there'll be a lot of apathy from some Liverpool fans. Like, well, I, I'll tell you where I am with it. We need to free a spot to sign midfielders. Naby Keita and, and Oxley Chamberlain, unfortunately, the two spots that I see the most available. Yeah. And then thirdly, it's probably James Milner. And I should never have put James Milner at, at his age behind Naby Keita and Ox's going, but I know that James Milner's going to be fit. Yeah. <laughs> and the other two aren't. So if I'm getting rid of just two this season, I'm getting rid of the two injury-prone lads and I'm bringing two lads in who can play every single game of the season. Yeah, and I think that's probably where maybe the large portion of Liverpool fans would sit. Yeah, I, I, I do think there's like an alternative universe out there where he's he doesn't get the injury issues, and he does kind of become this super clock midfielder who can just kind of do it all. But um, do you remember when? Um, oh God, what's his name? Chelsea defensive midfielder, best in the world for fucking ages. Kante. Kante. Remember when Kante <laughs> started running forwards and attacking? Yeah. That's what I imagined Naby Keita to be. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Because yeah. Kante, there was like it was like two years ago where they just unleashed him and went, you can just go wherever you want, lad. And every time he was playing against us, you'd see him dribbling past like 10 players. <laughs> and you're like, why has Kante been holding this back for so long? Yeah. Why has he just been playing the Makaleli role yeah. when he can do all this? That's the player that I wanted to see in a red shirt. Unfortunately, that's the player I never saw. And yeah. I, I, one thing he can't do is shoot. No. I agree with that. Like, <laughs> scored a few decent volleys, don't he? Yeah, but then like the one in the Champions League final where he's absolutely <laughs> scared. It's atrocious. Yeah. We saw four last week yeah. where I don't think one of them even got to the goalkeeper. Yeah, like I mean, the that's, the one, thing, that's the one thing he definitely can't do. Like, yeah, I agree with that. But uh, it does feel very much like a, a what could have been. And um, were you missing? 
No. <laughs> I, I don't think I will. But I will. There's, there's something there where I'm just a bit gutted about it still. Yeah. I'm still waiting. To, it, it feels a bit like United with Pogba. You're still waiting to see that star that you know is there. But I think for different reasons compared to Pogba, we didn't overly end up seeing it with Naby. And he's now going to move on and it's going to be a case of like, next. You know yeah, what I mean? And absolutely. So there you go. Uh, that's been the deep dive into Naby Keita. We've got another show. We don't know what it's called yet. Um, <laughs> but it's basically about what the tr- what the quadruple, the hunt for the quadruple did to us this season. So we've analysed all of the minutes that Liverpool players played last season. We've compared them against Arsenal and Manchester City. And we're taking a deep dive into that. And, and the results, I'm telling you, are... Pretty eye-opening, to be honest with you. Um, so that will be on Redmen Plus. Uh, you can use the code quadruple uh, to get yourself a free month. I just made that up on the spot, could you tell? Because uh, I've not made the code yet. I've not even got a title for the show. But it's going to be quadruple, the codes. Um, so get over to redmenplus.com, use the code quadruple, and you'll get yourself a month for free. If you've enjoyed this, or if you've got any thoughts, of course, on the show, either tweet us at distancecovered, at MrBloodRed, or use the comments section. It's much easier, to be fair, because you're here, and you may as well do that. Um, but yeah, we're going to go and record that one. Um, looking forward to it. Josh, as ever, thank you. Cheers, mate. We'll see you soon. Ta. 